Amen. Good morning, Grace Church. How are you? Good? If you're a Chargers fan, sorry. Just want to get that out of the way right out of the gate. If you're a 49ers fan, may the Lord be with you going forward. Because you will face my Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I don't, that's just bad. That's bad form. Well, hey, welcome to Grace. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and typically, if you've been around church or Grace Church for very long, there's a predictable structure to a Sunday church gathering where the band gets up and sings a little. And then at our church, we do some announcements and we have scripture reading. And then usually someone stands up here and talks to you for 35, 40 minutes, sometimes raising their voice, sometimes making you laugh, doing the whole thing. And then after that, they provide an invitation and then we sing at the end. And so that's your typical Sunday gathering. Well, this morning, you're in luck. We are going to switch things up. Uh, and change to where you're not just going to hear one sermon, you're going to hear three sermons today by three different people. So buckle up. Same amount of time, just uh, different people sharing. Here's why. Last week we started a series, or two weeks ago, uh, called A People of His Presence, talking about how God doesn't just want us to know about Him, but to experience Him, that that's the design of this relationship. But sometimes in the life of the church, Uh, This whole thing can kind of be a spectator sport where we're just watching and not participating. So in just a moment, we're going to have my friend Yo, one of our elders, come and teach. And then we're going to have a prayer time after that. Then Pastor Scott's going to come teach and we're going to have a prayer time. And then I'm going to come back at the end and and offer us an invitation. Uh, but, But the design this morning is for us to participate, for actually to make some space for us to pray. Uh, I know I was joking about football a second ago, but if you were watching sports uh, two weeks ago in the Buffalo Bills game, uh, the safety that plays for the Bills after a tackle, his name's Damar Hamlin, he, he fell down and had cardiac arrest, and they had to perform CPR, and there was this whole movement of prayer. And if you follow on social media, everyone's like, thoughts and prayers for Damar, thoughts and prayers for Damar. Uh, and then on ESPN, the next morning, uh, a follower of Jesus who's an ESPN host named Dan Arlovsky, uh, who used to be a... a a quarterback in the NFL, he took his 90 seconds and he said, you know, we do a lot of thoughts and prayer uh, tweets during moments like this. He said, but I'm going to take my time and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to take my 90 seconds and pray. You may have seen this. You may have retweeted this. And, and Dan Arlovsky just closed his eyes on national television and he prayed. He prayed for Demar. He prayed for his healing. He prayed for peace. And it was beautiful. It was really powerful. And so I think in the same way, there's these times where in the church, like, uh, we talk about prayer, but we don't pray. Or we have a prayer meeting, and we do like 50 minutes of prayer requests and five minutes of prayer sometimes. And so this morning is going to be different, but we're going to invite us to pray together. Uh, in the New Testament, the word prayer is used 127 times, and it's two Greek words put together, the word pros and the word uche. The word pros means close, up front, intimate contact, face-to-face. And the word uche means a wish, a desire, a vow, a sacrifice, Surrender, And so prayer in the New Testament is coming face-to-face with God and exchanging with him, exchanging vows with him. And so we want to put before you the truth that the greatest thing you can learn in your life is how to pray. Because the thing that most produces a connected, intimate, vibrant relationship with God is a prayer life. Uh, And in our church, we happen to have one of our elders who leads our prayer ministry who has one of the most vibrant prayer lives uh, that I know. Uh, And so I want to invite up Yo. He's going to start us off this morning. And uh, Yo has been an elder for many years at Grace. He's married to Tira, who's all of y'all's best friend. You probably all know Tira. Uh, They have four kids. He leads the house church that I attend, and he has been carrying us in his prayer life. Uh, But this morning, it's his first ever sermon. So give it up, Grace Church, for one of your elders. Yo, take it away. Hey, good morning, Grace Church. Um, My name is Yo, as Josh said, and... uh, 
and I'm one of the elders here, and uh, one of the ministries that I've um, been leading, helping lead, is the prayer ministry, and it's it's been a journey of um, quite a few years how God's really um, cultivated this uh, new desire and just a, a deepening of a relationship with God. So um, I'm going to take the opportunity this morning just to share a little bit about um, what God's brought me through, and also want to look at the life of uh, King David. And so um, since uh, we're talking about prayer, let's open up in prayer this morning. Um, if you guys can close your eyes and your heads. Father, thank you so much for uh, being present here right now, Lord, with us, and we're just grateful for your grace and your love that um, you showed each one of us, Lord, individually in such a personal and loving way, and so I just pray that you would just uh, cultivate our hearts right now, just um, till the soil of our hearts to be able to receive your truth, to receive your words, and to really um, walk out of this room changed, Lord, to be more in your likeness, God. We love you, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so um, before I go any further, um, I kind of was thinking, you know, many of you guys might think that prayer could be kind of boring, or maybe you guys think it's a waste of time, or maybe there's something in particular that you've been praying for for many years and um, God hasn't really answered. And so um, I know that, that that could be, you know, some of our mindsets. But I want to propose to you this morning that um, prayer could be something that's really exciting, exhilarating, and satisfying, and um, something that it's such a joy as follower of Christ to be able to do um, and God gives us that opportunity to be able to pray at him at any time. So um, as we look at uh, Psalm 100, um, it says, uh, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And giving thanks and praising God is like one of my, my go-to ways of um, coming into God's presence and to really experience um, just the connection and intimacy that God wants for us. And so thanksgiving, all it is is a response of uh, acts of God and what God has done for us. And praise is just a response to his nature and character and how good he is. I mean, his, his faithfulness endures through all generations, and he's such an awesome God. And worship is a response to his presence. And the, the root word for worship is proskinau, which is a, a kiss or to bow, like almost prostrate to the ground. And so, um, in other words, you know, it's, that's all prayer, like thanksgiving and praise is all a form of worship and prayer to the Lord. And so... Um, as we look at uh, the life of King David, we can see that his story has a lot of really high highs and lows, and um, he was in the line of Judah. You know, eventually, you know, Jesus came through his line. Um, he was a shepherd. He was a really good musician. He was a, a giant slayer. He was a mighty warrior for God, and he was also, you know, a great king, but, and he had uh, multiple wives, and he actually wrote, like, a little less than half of the Psalms. But he also committed adultery, he murdered, he, he tried to cover up the murder. So as we can see, like, he's experienced, like, really high highs and super lows. And so I think that's what, you know, if you guys have read Psalms and you've seen, like, a lot of his Psalms are Psalms of lament because of the great stress that he's gone through. And um, through all the different experiences, I think that what he concludes to um, is that nothing in this world, no pleasure in this world, no high, no relationship, no accomplishments, no wealth that we can attain will ever bring lasting joy and satisfaction like being uh, close to God. So there's two uh, psalms that I want to uh, go over this morning. And the first one is uh, Psalm 65.4, and it says, Blessed is the one you choose to bring near, to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. And so I think in this verse, David's reminding us that like, God chose us. He's, he alone can open our eyes to see just the depth of God's um, immense love and his um, grace towards us. And, you know, last week, Josh talked a little bit about the temple and how it signifies 
uh, God's presence. So David here is, you know, talking a little bit about how, like, how, like, how we can only be satisfied with the goodness of his house. So in this world, like, uh, there's so many distractions. I get so easily distracted by my phone, um, the responsibilities of work, and just, uh, you know, I have four kids, so the kids are constantly <laughs> trying to get my attention. And so um, it's, we're like fish in the sea, you know, there's a little lure, and we just immediately try to jump to something that will quickly satisfy us. But, like, little do we realize is that there's, like, an infinite buffet that God has given us that's accessible at any time for us. You know, we don't have to um, go to, like, Barona and pay for, <laughs> pay for a buffet, but it's, like, always readily available. And so God's like, why, why would you settle for crumbs on the ground when I have this great buffet that will infinitely uh, satisfy you? And uh, the, the next verse is kind of like my life verse. It's my favorite verse in the Bible, probably. It's uh, Psalm 1611. And it says, uh, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. And so, you know, as we were talked about a little earlier, like everything that, that David experienced in life, he declares once again that the fullness, like the maximum level of, of joy and pleasures forevermore is like infinite pleasures. It's not just like a five-minute pleasure or a 10-minute pleasure, but it's like infinite. Is all found um, being close to God. And so, you know, there's nowhere else that we could find. Like, I think a lot of us have, you know, have tried to get, satis- you know, find satisfaction in the, in the things of this world, and, and it truly um, comes up empty every time. So the question I have for you guys is, like, so how do we go about becoming a people of prayer? Like, how, how, does, how do we accomplish that? And I think for me, the first step is to ask for the desire. I think a lot of times, like, we don't even have the desire. Like, we'd, we're like, oh, I'd rather watch Netflix or, you know, there's so many other options. So it's asking God for that desire. Um, Author E.M. Bounds um, quoted, desire precedes prayer. Prayer is an oral expression of desire. So I think that's a great first step and, uh, to ask God for desire. And about 10 years ago, I was in a, a men's Bible study, and we were kind of like stuck in this rut where we were learning, learning about the Word of God, the truth, but it was, we kind of felt really stagnant. And it started bringing a question in my mind of like, is there like more to faith than just, you know, Going to, going to study, and I, not to say that going to study is bad, but is there more to it? Because I feel like the, the God of the Bible doesn't align with what I'm experiencing. And so that was a start of a journey that God brought me on for many years. And it wasn't, it wasn't he didn't answer it right away, but it was a, a course of like many years that I started asking for a desire. I said, Lord, help me to see like, you know, your word says you're good. Your word says that you're, you're full of joy. So help me to experience that. And so as, as I started that, that journey of asking that desire, I think he, he uh, slowly answered it over time and uh, in, in his gracious way, which is awesome. So asking God uh, for a desire is, the, is the, um, I think, the first step for us. And um, kind of, uh, do you guys remember back in the 90s, like the computer monitor used to be like black with like green, like green text or amber text, and it was very like monotone. And then nowadays, like, if you, go, if you look at an iMac or one of the newer computers, it's, like, you know, a 5K or 8K, and it has, like, millions of color options. And one of my um, good friends kind of, like, described his prayer life, the way that God transformed his prayer life, was it went from, like, viewing, like, monochromatic, black and white, to full color HD. It, like, brought vibrancy. It brought clarity and beauty to his prayer life. And I, I totally relate to that. I'm like, man... There's, uh, there's like an infinite possibility of our connection with God through prayer, and it could be such a, a dramatic thing. You know, like I think a lot of us settle with just, you know, black and white, but just ask God, like, God, show me the full vibrancy. You say 
you know, all these things in the word of, of how good you are. So let us experience that. And I think the second step is uh, just spending time being in his presence. This whole series has been talking about being the people of his presence. And um, panim in Hebrew, which means uh, face or um, being like face to face. And it requires like full attention. I think, like I was saying earlier, I think the phone, I think there's so many things in this world that really distract us so easily. And so putting all those things aside, putting it down, spending time alone, um, dedicating time to being his presence is uh, truly an experience and a pleasure for, for us. And it could be such a, a moment of intimacy that, that not only does God want, but I think it's something that um, you know, we could ask for and uh, be in his presence. So um, I think about, it was about two and a half years ago. Do you guys remember uh, COVID? <laughs> um, I, was, I worked at, in the same field for 15 years. And within like one day, I lost my job. And my boss is like, hey, our industry shut down, so I got to let you go. And, you know, I had four kids, a family. I'm like, what, the, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know um, what the next steps are. And so that really brought me into a season of, like, complete dependence on God. And um, one of the things I would do every day is I would, I live on Mount Helix, and there's a lot of hills. And I would just walk up and down the hills um, just praying to God. And um, there, was, there were, like, really intimate moments where um, God touched me in a way that I've never experienced before. Like, some, like a couple moments, I, sometimes I just got on my knees and I couldn't even really speak because God was like, I'm your provider. I'm Jehovah Jireh. There's nothing for you to worry about. And it's, it's really awesome because, you know, a couple months later, he provided a job in a completely different field. But I was like, thank you, Lord, that you provide. And so um, it's, it's great to know that when we set apart those times and when we're, you know, our posture is dependent on God, he really does meet us. And so um, our vision here at Grace is that we become a house of prayer, uh, where prayer becomes normative. I know a lot of times at the end of service, we ask, you know, we have prayer partners, and we have people come up, and there's usually like one or two people, but we would love to see like all of us. I think is if we're humans, if we're living, we need prayer. Like we all have some area of our lives where we need prayer for. So seeing people come forward, receive prayer, not only that, but like as we're walking around the church, like if there's an opportunity, if God's like you know, leading you to pray for someone, just to pray for people, just right on the spot, I think would be awesome, and something that we would love to see, and so, um, and it's another thing is to, you know, that also goes in line with, like, bearing one another's burdens, and that fulfills the law of Christ. There's no, nothing more beautiful than to build up the body of Christ, and uh, a couple days ago, I was um, at the gym nearby my house, and as I was, that day, I was really, like, just in God's presence. I was really seeking God. And as I was going into the gym, I felt like I was like, hey, look, look around to see if there's anyone that you know. And so as I was leaving the gym, I look over and there was a, one of my buddy, Orlando, was on the treadmill. And I was like, oh, that, I should just go over there. And so I went over there. We started talking and sharing one another's burdens. And um, what was cool is that like it was a beautiful moment of encouragement. And uh, we were just, uh, just prayed for each other right on the spot. And so I didn't think much of it. And I was starting to leave the gym. And uh, one of the trainers that I've seen many times came up and he's like hey man that was so cool that was so awesome like I've never seen anyone pray at the gym and um and he's like it was so cool that I actually just took a picture of you guys and I was like oh, that's kind of awkward but um so what was awesome about that was that he was like hey and so I had a chance to ask him I'm like hey do you have faith in Christ do you know Jesus and he's like hey, actually I do and I'm like oh that is so great like now there's another person of peace in this gym like me Orlando and now this trainer have an opportunity to minister to people at the gym and just um, what, a, what a great thing that God did. And I think it was just the uh, being, being in God's presence opens those opportunities for us to, like, 
see that we're on mission here, whether we're at the gym or we're at the, you know, work, wherever we're at, there's always opportunities. And so when we're connected to him, we see those opportunities. And so um, in uh, response, I th- as, as I close uh, this segment, um, I just want us to kind of all acknowledge this morning that as a church that we desire more fruit, like a more fruitful prayer life and a hunger and thirst for God in his righteousness and uh, being intimate with God. So um, I want to corporately um, come before God with a heart of repentance for the lack of prayer and intimacy with him. And I just want you guys to know, too, that, that um, repentance is not necessarily a negative thing. I think sometimes we view it as a negative thing. But um, the Greek word um, metanoia simply means to change your mind. And so it's not mainly about, like, what you're turning from, but what you're turning to. And what we're turning to is the truth of God. And um, what's cool about that is the truth is what sets us free. So as we, you know, go from our way of thinking to a, a new truth, which is the, the word of God, it, it sets us free. So... Um, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Um, If you guys can just all uh, close your eyes and uh, bow your heads and just uh, I'll lead us in prayer and then we'll have a few minutes of quiet time for us to reflect and and, uh, look to God. All right, Father, thank you so much for uh, this beautiful morning, Lord. We just, we confess, God, that so often we look to other things when uh, you're right there waiting for us, Lord. You say, come to me, all those who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And we just want to come before you this morning just thanking you for your grace, thanking you for your love for us, God. And we desire, Lord, a more fruitful prayer life. We desire, God, to be closer and more intimate with you. We just want to see how satisfying it is to be in your presence, to know, Lord, that um, you are our Abba Father, Lord, that you look down upon us with so much um, love and that you want to reach down and, and take a hold of us, God. So we just surrender to you this morning. We want to be in a posture of surrender. We just ask, God, that you would be with us, Lord, and make us a a church that loves to be intimate and close with you through prayer. And uh, we ask, God, that as we look forward to this year, Lord, 2023, that this would be a year where we draw closer to you than ever before, that we would see the full HD 5K um, clarity of your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Father, thank you for this time where we can be interrupted. Our minds and our hearts, uh, they seem to wander and go in places, falling down rabbit trails of work and relationships and home and anxiety and stress and worry and money, all kinds of things. So, Father, um, just thank you. Thank you. Interrupt us. We invite you to. Help us, guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Grace. Uh, I'm Scott, if we haven't met, one of the pastors here. And uh, I love the direction Yoichi took us on, both in the Psalms and and just his uh, guidance in the necessity, the spiritual necessity that we all have, if you are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, to uh, be with Christ to be with our God and, uh, in communication and in communion. It's a, it's a necessity. Uh, as he said, I know that prayer can be hard or awkward for people, uh, both alone and in group settings. I would say especially in front of others, right? Sometimes it's hard for us to get alone and just focus our minds and our hearts in a way that we can uh, just be with him and communicate our heart and mind to him. But then when we get around to others, I'm reminded about this because I'm kind of used to it, but I know that when you're not used to it, it could be so awkward because am I going to say the right things? Am I going to mess up? Is it going to whatever, right? We're so worried. We're so captured by it. I heard um, someone say that uh, prayer is, is like a shot of wheatgrass. Like we know it's good for us, so we'll do it, but we're not sure of how it tastes, right? Like we don't really like it. And I hope and I pray that that is not our prayer life, where we do it because it's good for us, but we're not getting what we need to get out of it. And so I want us to take a step forward uh, as Yo focus on our individual, our private uh, desire for prayer and that repentance for, if you're like me, you go through times and seasons and, and spaces where like, I just, I'm not feeling it. Like I don't have the words I don't even want to talk to God right now. If we're being honest, that's all of us in certain moments and times, right? And as we go from that into uh, the necessity for our own private individual prayer life and for us as the church, as the body of Christ, to pray together. So I want to bridge those things together, our own prayer life and praying with others, praying with the church So what I want to do is I want to look briefly at the early church at a time, a pivotal time, the birth of the church in the book of Acts. And I want to read out of Acts 4 uh, real quickly. Let me set it up. In Acts 3, at the beginning of Acts 3, uh, Peter and John um, are going through Jerusalem. And at the very entrance, the, the entrance gate of Jerusalem is a man, and he's a crippled man. The word is used lame in our translations. He's lame. So he's laying on the ground, and he's begging people for money. He's desperate, right? He's, and everybody in town knows who this is. So probably some give him some, and some just walk past and ignore him. But he is kind of the town guy who, who's laying there at the entrance, and he is crippled. He is lame. And years go by, and everyone knows who he is. But Peter and John come along, and instead of giving him money, they give him something that truly, truly his heart desired. They healed him. 
They were empowered by the Holy Spirit, if you read Acts 2. And they were therefore sent, and they went, and they healed the crippled man at the entrance of the city. And when they do this, when they did this, all kinds of people crowded around, and they couldn't believe it. Because they knew the crippled man, and they saw this take place. They saw him get up and walk for the first time. And just like the miracles that Jesus performed, they were in awe. They were astonished. They were shocked. Well, the religious leaders of the day, the Sadducees, the, the ones that were uh, uh, taking care of the temple, the head of the temple, they come, the elders of the Jewish uh, religious leaders, they come and they charge and arrest Peter and John for this healing, for this miracle. And also Peter was preaching and speaking and was talking about Jesus of Nazareth, and that's the authority they have to heal this man. And so they perform the miracle, and then the leaders take them under arrest. And the next day, they put them in order, and, and they have them stand in front of them in front of this court. So it's the religious leaders, and Peter and John, and the crippled guy is there too. The lame guy is there too. And they question Peter and John. And they say, who do you think you are, if you read the text? Those are my words. That's not what it says. Who do you think you are for you to do this, for you to preach and teach this guy, Jesus, this rabbi? And Peter speaks with boldness. And he testifies to the name of Christ, to who Jesus of Nazareth is. And they kind of go back and forth in this dialogue, in this conversation but the leaders charge them. They say, you're no longer allowed to do this. You're no longer allowed to preach in the name of Jesus and perform miracles in the name of Jesus. You see, they were afraid that their authority would be taken from them. But then Peter, in boldness, says, well, then you better judge me. You better sentence me because I can't help it. We can't help. Because of what we've seen, what we've heard, what we know, and who we know, we must do this. So you better re-arrest me and sentence me, judge me, whatever. This is what you must do. And so those leaders, they kind of back off a little bit, it says. And they're like, what the heck do we do with these guys? The people, everyone saw the miracle. So we can't, we can't say it didn't happen. And if we arrest these guys, the public, all the the whole city, they may revolt against us. So what do, what do we do? And so they go back to Peter and John, and they say, okay, well, it was kind of this reluctant moment. And they say, all right, we're going to let you go, but don't do this again. It was one of those. Like, don't do this again. You're making me mad. And they say, don't utter the name of Jesus again. And they go, and then they were released. And then... It goes to verse 23, and I want to read 23 to 31 for you. It says this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed, who's Jesus. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Father, uh, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan and 
uh, had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their hearts and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. This is Peter. And this is 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then listen to this. This is 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So Peter and John go back to their friends. They go back to the church. And they were telling them what happened. And they uttered this prayer and they began to pray together. And it says, as they began to pray together, the earth shook. Now if that happened right now, we'd all be freaked out. And we would blame it on a fault line somewhere. This is what would happen. But the, the earth shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and nothing would stop them to proclaim the name of Jesus with boldness. The Holy Spirit empowered them. You see, and I wonder, would the earth shook and then be filled with the Holy Spirit and the boldness rise up if they had not prayed together? And so in our prayer life, we are to have private prayer and solitude and silence with Jesus. That's a must. We need that. But we also need to pray together. We need to pray with our house church. We need to pray for our sisters and our brothers. We need to pray with our family, our friends. We need to pray for the barista. We need to pray for the people at the gym. We need to pray with and for other people. It's essential in the body of Christ. These people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it empowered them to be bold in speaking the word of God. Praying together does a few things for us. Here's what it does. It pray, praying together unifies us. It unifies the church. It brings us together because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. If you are a disciple of Christ, then the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And it stirs us up for the Lord and for the things of God. Praying together encourages the church. Sometimes... I'm so discouraged, I don't have the words. And I'm literally like, God, I don't even want to talk to you right now. I know you can relate. Like, I don't even want to speak. I have nothing. Sometimes when we pray together or receive prayer, you borrow their faith. You borrow their words because you don't have them. You need them to pray. It's necessity for you. So it can encourage us. There's so many needs in our church. There's so much anxiety and stress and things going on. I know people right now, we have missionaries here that are visiting today. They have needs in where they're serving God. We have families that have lost loved ones in our service right now. They have needs in broken hearts. There are great needs in our church. And praying together encourages us and lifts us up. Praying together furthers the kingdom of God. Our gathering alone, when we gather in house church or on Sundays, the enemy hates it. He hates it because he knows it's centered around Jesus. He knows that we're here in the name of Jesus, that we will boldly proclaim the name Jesus of Nazareth, our rabbi, our savior, and he hates it. And lastly, praying together creates boldness for the glory of God. In a time that we're in, we're post-Christian. There's, people are walking away from the faith, and the name of spirituality or meditation or 
whatever, yoga, yoga's good, don't get mad. In the name of all these things, to feel spiritual supersedes their knowing Jesus Christ. It's the great error of our generation right now. But knowing Jesus means that you and I, we need to know him and be with him and sit with him and be, contend with him and wrestle with him. And then we need to come together. And you need to pray for me and I need to pray for you. We need to pray together. We need to be people that pray with and for other people in the church. We need to be committed to the local church and praying for one another. So like in Acts 4, when I read something like this, I'm blown away because this was the great movement. We are here today in 2023, which is crazy, gathered in the name, in, in the name of Jesus because of what happened in the first century church written down in Acts 4. We are here because of their prayers, because of what they did. So how many more people will come to faith and knowledge of knowing him because we are a praying church? And we need to be that church that prays together. So today, I love today. It's unorthodox, it's different, it's a little awkward. Totally okay. Hopefully it's not like a shot of wheatgrass. But today is one of those days where you're like, there's so many moving parts. Who's talking? Who's saying what? It's okay. Here's why. Because normally you walk in and you're a spectator. Today, that's not the case. Today, you are a partaker. You are a participant in the service as we pray together. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have two of our leaders come up and pray. As uh, They're just going to come and pray and share their heart. I've given them no instruction at all. But Eric Brown, who helps lead our young adults, he's going to pray in a moment. And then Diane Lowry, who has been teaching scripture and been a Bible teacher and an author and speaker for years, she's going to pray after that. And as I pray and then as they pray, I would just say in your heart of hearts, especially if you need their words, pray along with them. And as they pray, just say, yes, Lord, yes. Or pray your own version of that and reach out to God. But let's do this together and see what the Holy Spirit does. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, may this be a moment in time where your power by your Holy Spirit just intervenes. Just like in Acts 4 where the earth shook and the Holy Spirit filled up the first church. And an explosion of your gospel took place. May we be that church in 2023. Father, maybe this week you, you need to provoke inside of us, convict inside of us to go pray for people. Go pray with somebody. And just do it. Maybe spontaneous and maybe awkward. And that is okay. But God, may you do that inside of us. I pray that speaking to you and being with you is never as difficult as it is as a shot of wheatgrass that it would be the most tasteful, beautiful, amazing, powerful time we spend in our day. And then as we go upon, go along in our week, may we find opportunities and moments where we can just lift someone up in prayer, where we might be so bold to say, can I pray for you? Or I know this may be weird, but I just want to pray for you. Or I'll give me a prayer request. I'll pray for you tonight, tomorrow, or next week. God, fill us up for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
pray with me, will you? Lord, we just thank you for uh, the Sunday morning, Lord. We thank you for the rain. We thank you for all the things that you've done for us, Lord. We thank you that we can just worship you so freely. Um, and we pray, Lord, that your spirit would just purify our hearts and our minds and our desires, that we might seek you, God, that we would be a people um, longing for your presence, Lord, and, and that we'd be a people of prayer, God. And that you would just fill our hearts with your joy and your peace and your love. And I just pray a blessing over everyone here, God. I just pray that you might strengthen them, Lord, by the power of your spirit. Just strengthen them. And just give them courage to just grow in their faith, grow in their prayer life, and just grow, um, have their roots grow down deep into you, Lord. And we just thank you for that, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that there would just be a, a, a revival in our hearts and in our minds, God we'd be made new completely and wholly, Lord. And we just pray that those promises that you've given us of rest and peace, that we would just find that rest in your presence while we pray, Lord. And so we just pray that, um, that you're glorified in each of our hearts, Lord, and in each of our minds. Um, and in this church, God, that you're just glorified and that Jesus is just lifted high here, Lord. And we just pray that you grow in everyone's, um, in their prayer life, Lord, and we thank you love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord. All morning we've been praying and speaking to you and hearing from you through your word, Father. First and foremost, we thank you that you chose us. You chose me. You called me to be a carrier of you. To think, Father, that each one of us are a temple. We house you, Holy Spirit, and forgive us for neglecting you. We read in your word where you have designed every day an opportunity for us to be your masterpiece, to walk in a day that you have planned for us. So, Father, may we be a people that pray and acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, and not quench you or grieve you, but give you the freedom to work through our lives, to minister to the needs of the body of Christ and to those who do not know you. We thank you for this church, for these people that you have called and chosen for a time such as this, and in a community such as this, in a city, in a town, in a state, in a nation, Father, that is just starving for something good and solid and true. And we praise you that you've given us that Holy Spirit to be you in this world. Help us to be salt and light, to live love, and to constantly be in communication with you, Lord Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name for what you've done for us. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to close by giving us a simple invitation into prayer. Uh, there's a story in Exodus chapter 17 where the Israelites have been brought out of Egypt and they're in the, the wilderness wandering period on their way to the promised land. 
and they're starting to grumble and get mad and frustrated at Moses. They, they say they don't like the food. They say there's not enough water and God's providing for them. But there's this back and forth fight happening between Moses and the people. And then in Exodus chapter 17, a foreign army called the Amalekites, they come and they, they try to engage the Israelites in, in battle. And so Moses tells Joshua to take some men and to go meet them in the valley. And they're going to have the battle down there. And, and Moses says he's going to stay back and he's going to pray on the mountain. And so the way he prays is he takes his staff and he holds it above his head. And as the story goes, if his staff is held above his head, then the Israelite army is winning and God is with Joshua and they're winning. But if his hands fall down, then the Amalekite army starts to win. It's this back and forth. And so some people see what's going on. And uh, two guys, one guy named Aaron and another man named Hur, they come alongside Moses and they, they pull up a rock for him to sit on, which in the Old Testament is like a chair. So they pull up a chair for him to sit on. And then one guy gets on one side and one guy gets on the other. And they hold up his hands uh, until ultimately the Israelites are victorious in battle. And, and in that story, you have the template of God's strategy for prayer in the Bible. In this one story, you have the picture of God's power, that, that only God could achieve the victory. And in this story, it's important for the Israelites to understand unmistakably that the only reason they can win against the Amalekites is that God is fighting for them. God is giving them the victory, unmistakably. That is a part of the story. God's power intervening for their victory on their behalf. But the second part is Moses' intercession, that God is not just victorious without any sort of you know, part that the man is playing, that Moses is praying for them. And then lastly, there's Joshua's army actually participating in the battle. So in this story, you have the mystery and the invitation of prayer. Could God have just wiped out the Amalekites? Absolutely. He could have just done it. He has the power. Yet... He invited Moses to pray, and he invited Joshua to take part in the battle. And this story is so beautiful to me because it shows us that God wants us to participate in his ongoing victory in the world. In his infinite wisdom, he's designed the world in such a way that there are things that will not happen in this world unless you pray for them to happen in this world. That is mind-blowing to me. Jesus himself says, you have not because you ask not. There are things you're not experiencing because you're not praying for them. It's not that God lacks power. It's that we lack prayer. And so God's power overcomes the Amalekites, but Moses intercedes that God's power to overcome the Amalekites, and Joshua and the army actually are fighting to overcome the Amalekites. And in this one story, you have the most beautiful image in the Bible, that Moses is being asked to bear something that he is too weak to bear on his own. He cannot hold the staff over his head on his own. He can't. So he has people come alongside him and pull up a chair. He has people come alongside him and hold up his arms for him. And that story in Exodus 17 is the story of us in our prayer lives. Grace Church, you are being asked to carry things that you cannot bear. You can't. You are being defeated in a battle because you're trying to bear something on your own when all along the design was that God's power would be met with God's people praying and bearing one another's burden and that's where the victory would come. The design is that God is giving us things that we cannot bear alone. Sometimes you need to be carried. Sometimes you need a friend that says, will you sit down for a minute? Can I help you? 
Sometimes you need friends that come alongside you and pray and they carry you. So this morning, we want to offer you that invitation as a church. We want to carry you. We want to hold your arms up in prayer this morning. So here's the invitation. If any of you are experiencing a defeat, where you're just like, I'm just getting beat in this and I can't, I'm too weak to carry it alone. Then we're going to have prayer partners up front. We're going to have some elders up front. Uh, me and Jesse and Scott, the pastors will be up front. And we just, we just want to pray for you. Are you stuck in a relationship that doesn't seem to be reconcilable? We want to pray for you. You feel like your marriage just isn't doing anything more than going through the motions? We want to pray for you. Are you struggling with infertility and you want to see God bring a miracle baby into your life? We want to pray for you. Are you in a place where there's new news of a sickness in your life? We want to pray for you. You cannot carry it alone. It's not the design. But in God's power, he's provided his people to pray. And when God's people pray, God moves. And this is the beauty of our God, is that we have a father who loves us enough to listen to our prayers and is powerful enough to intervene in our prayers. We have a father who loves us enough to listen and is powerful enough to intervene. So whatever you're walking in this morning, let us help you. Let us pull up a chair for you. We have two songs. The band's going to play two songs. We're going to have people up front want to invite you to come forward. And we'd love to just pray with you and to ask God to bring about the victory in the place where you're stuck. So, Father, this morning we come to you as a church asking you to do what you did in our day like you did in Exodus 17. God, as we lift each other's arms up, as we pray for one another, Father, would you provide miraculous power and healing? God, would you provide your presence and your peace? Would you restore things that are broken? Would you bring things to life that feel dead? And God, this morning in your church, may we experience the supernatural power of a father who loves us and listens to us and intervenes in our life. God, be with your church now as we pray. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we continue in worship.